Hello and welcome to Well Wisconsin Radio, a podcast discussing health and well-being topics with experts from all around the state of Wisconsin. My name is Morgan Minan. My guest today is Dr. Deborah Loeffler. Deborah is a program leader, consultant, and speaker on the topics of corporate wellness, employee well-being, holistic stress management, resilience, and self-care. She is currently employed as the Wellness and Employee Assistance Program Manager at the Wisconsin Department of Health Services. Academically, Deborah earned a doctorate degree in spiritual studies from the Emerson Theological Institute, a Master of Arts degree in Health and Behavioral Studies from Columbia University, and a bachelor's degree in communication with certificates in wellness and coaching from the University of Wisconsin Parkside. She holds additional certifications in worksite wellness, wellness speaking, resilience and thriving, stress management, yoga, grief support, mental health first aid, emotional CPR, and addiction awareness. Deb, thank you so much for joining me today on Well Wisconsin Radio. I'm so grateful for you taking the time to talk with me today. And I feel like with all of the heaviness going on in our world right now, this is such a perfect time to introduce people to the topic of spiritual wellness. So I wondered if you could start by telling us about your journey to studying spirituality. Yeah, um, well, I've been in the field a long time. It's been over 20 years now. And when I was going through undergrad, wellness wasn't even a field yet. So um, I took a wellness 101 course and then you know, other related courses to health, but we couldn't get a degree specifically in it. So I did what I could. And then when I went got out of undergrad um, and I wanted to work in wellness, the only options were like, if you were a personal trainer or a dietitian. So I went and got my certification as a personal trainer and worked in that for a while. Um, but I soon got a little bored or just... I was uninspired in a sense of just talking about muscles and fitness all the time because I saw health and wellness holistically, you know, based on my training in wellness and in undergrad, even though it wasn't a degree, it was, um, but they introduced the wellness model and all the national wellness institutes um, work and conference and things. So I saw it as bigger um, and I also was intrigued with human behavior because as you know, right? So if we give somebody a prescription of like, here, this is how much you should eat and this is what you should be doing. Here's your workout plan for the week that I would say 95% of the people would come back and they'd say they didn't do it. So, um, and I also was not only looking at other people, but I started to look at myself too and whatever the behavioral standards were, whatever we should be doing there were always things that came easy to me and then others that didn't. And I couldn't even follow all the, you know, prescriptions out there. So it intrigued me enough to go back to school uh, to get a degree in health, health and behavior studies, specializing in health education. And we really looked at, you know, what makes us do what we do? How do we change behavior? What are the different methods out there to help people self-improve and change behavior. A lot of the work we were studying was coming from the addictions um, research in terms of how do we help addicts get off drugs and things, but 
they're finding, you know, obviously that all of our behaviors have similar roots. And so how do we help people change whether it's fitness or alcohol? There's a, there's some common elements. So I was intrigued by that. And then when I got out into the field after that, it still was similar in that the health field or the wellness field. So I went into worksite wellness and no matter what the prescribed health education was, it's still information doesn't change behavior. And we still kept pushing information. We kept pushing, here's what you should know, here's what you should know, thinking that eventually people would change. And then worksite wellness got into biometrics and measuring people. And oh, if they only knew their weight or their blood pressure or their cholesterol or whatever it was, then they'll change. And still that didn't. But there was this thought that, well, it's a moment, it's a moment that you could be help, helping someone and coach them and see what they're ready and see what they need. And, and often that was somewhat helpful if you had like a health coach to talk with and you were ready to do so, but so many people weren't ready. And this actually got really kind of frustrating for me in a way of, you know, what is it that we are missing in the field of wellness? And then as a person, you know, what do I need to change or not change? Is information helping me? Um, what do I feel is my pull to do things or not do things? And I found I was starting to get depressed looking at all the standards and rules that we were supposed to be following. And I wasn't perfect. And I felt like in wellness, I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to be the role model. I'm supposed to be the one that everyone looks to. And I remember this one day sitting at a health fair where we were at the Ironman competition. And I looked at all these athletes and I used to be an athlete in high school and college. And I was like, oh my God, they're not they're more in shape than I am. And so I went on this mission to lose weight, to get in shape, you know, do so. But I did so in a too strict and unhealthy fashion. So, you know, eating disorder behaviors came back from when I was a teenager. And I just got not only thin, but I was emotionally a mess. It was too, you know, compulsive sort of thing to focus on my body so much to try to be perfect. And the emotional mess part of me was this judging myself against standards. And the the feeling of it was I'm not good enough and I have to be good enough. And so I was chasing good enough and I could never get there. It was, there was always more to do. There was always something I wasn't doing right. And even with losing weight, because I did it too, too strictly, like not eating enough and even throwing up and things, then I'm, then I felt like a fraud. Then it was like, oh, well, you're the health person and now you're treating your body badly just to look perfect. And so it was this really big tornado of I'm not good enough. I'm not measuring up. I'm not a good role model. And that spun into other areas of my life. So it was I'm not good enough in my job. I'm not good enough at home. I'm not good enough as a mom, as a wife, you know, et cetera until I didn't feel good enough even being alive. And so there was a day that I overdosed and obviously I didn't die. They did save me. 
And I've been on a mission ever since. So that was 14 years ago now. And um, I didn't know that it was my like moment, my bottom where I would choose to change anything at the be- at that time. I was just confused and I was contemplating what the heck, you know, life was about. And I kept thinking, you know, if, if there's this, why are we here? Why are we here on earth? Why are we alive? Uh, if there is a God, you know, he's supposed to love us, that sort of thing. And so I, I, I started going into the spiritual place. And then I really started to say, what makes somebody worthy? Am I good enough? And I was saying I wasn't good enough, but I realized what is it to be alive and to be good enough? And if you know me in terms of who I am. Would it matter if I gained 100 pounds or lost 100 pounds? Would it matter if I lost a limb or got sick or whatever that me as a soul, as a person, as an entity, as something alive here wouldn't change? And so I got this idea that, well, we're really not our bodies. We are this essence of us other than that but we keep focusing on the body. And so maybe the answers to living are not with the body. Maybe I need to seek elsewhere. Maybe I need to seek what the spirit is. If we are body, mind, and spirit, what is the spirit? So then I went on a personal educational mission to study the human spirit and spiritual things and spirituality. And first it was on my own, and then I decided to go back to school and get a doctorate degree in spiritual studies. And since I've gotten that, I've been trying to integrate it into the wellness and worksite wellness field. So that's how my journey, how I got here. Sorry for being long-winded. That was amazing. No, please don't apologize. And so thankful that you shared that story and so many things that you were talking about there um, resonated with me and I'm sure with a lot of people listening in, especially struggles with perfection and not feeling good enough. And um, I guess for me, there there's so many, one of my favorite phrases, aha moments within that. And so I'm just curious, when you started studying spirituality, uh, what was some of the biggest aha moments that you had? I, th- I think a few things. One was because of, so say in the wellness world of all the rules of behavior, how much, like how much I'm supposed to eat, how much physical activity I'm supposed to get and sleep and alcohol use and cigarettes, like all these things of these rules. And um, the way we've framed it, it, to me, it felt like, so if I didn't do something according to our standards, I felt not only that I had failed or that I was naughty or that I was bad, but I felt like I had sinned, like I had done a moral sin by eating too much, right? Or something it, it, to my, to my state, feeling state, emotions, that's how it felt. That was as heavy as it felt. And I started to look at how we frame lifestyle behaviors in our field and how, we are we are making if we're not careful right in how we frame it we could easily make somebody feel like they are failing or not good enough or labeled or 
um, put in a box in terms of, oh, these are the sick people, uh, these are the ones at risk, you know, that sort of thing. And I think the aha moment for me was more like not that there are no rules entirely, but like we can't make ourselves feel that we're a failure or not good enough according to our lifestyle behavior rules. There are suggestions, right? There are suggestions and guidelines for healthier living. Um, but if we identify ourselves as not good enough and a failure, that spirals in our subconscious to who we are as a person, to what we're worth, to our the way we operate and communicate in the world. So like, for example, say the obesity crisis, like it's everywhere we talk about it. If we measure somebody and weigh them and we say, oh, you're obese, they get put on this obesity kind of naughty list, right? Look at the chart, you're out of normal range, and now you're not good enough. And so now this person feels that and walks out into the world saying, I'm not good enough. And because it's obesity and not something like high blood pressure, right? Everyone can see it. So I'm wearing my not good enough like an outfit that I am judged because of the way we judge it in our society. So everywhere I go, I am judged as not good enough. And how do I feel walking into a room, going on a date, right, uh, standing in front of a, a room giving a presentation, if I feel that my appearance alone is labeling me as not good enough? That, that's the psychological part of this that I think we have to address in that we have to separate good enough and good or bad from lifestyle behaviors so that we can all become more empowered within ourselves, that we are good enough because we are alive, that our value, that our worth, that our sense of self, sense of, you know, whether it's self-confidence, self-esteem, uh, even sense of creativity and how I go out into the world, that in and of itself has nothing to do with the status of our health, right? And then I started thinking even, the aha moment for me was thinking of this as, what if we didn't create the ill health? What if it was something, and I, I thinking of something like, say, an accident. So if I, say I'm disabled from something, there's two ways to look at it. If I created my own disability, then I now, if I'm disabled and it's my fault, so I have this it's my fault thing and I'm not good enough because I did that. If we didn't have that and if we got disabled, say, from an accident, how would our mindset be different? Like this happened to me and I'm this way from no fault of my own. How does our mindset or our determination to go forward, how is it affected by how we see ourselves and our own contribution to our state? What we find is if we don't feel that we are bad, that we are not good enough, we have this inner resilience that kicks in really fast. That it's, I had this accident, I can't walk right now, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna 
do my best and try to walk again, right? But if we feel that we have done this, the sense of failure tends to disrupt that and set us back. And the motivation to go forward is just disrupted. So my first intention with the aha moment was, can we lift the feelings of not good enough, of failure, of I did this, kind of the blame, shame part of it. Can we just put that aside for a moment and say, I am who I am and I'm right here. What can I do right now? And not according to standards. So if I can't do what the standards say, what can I do instead? And like for an example, like with physical activity, and I'll give a personal example. I had ankle surgery um, in the year 2000, so it's it's been a long time now. But since then, I can't do any cardio. Um, and even like if I walk too much, sometimes my ankle gives out and I have to sit. And so I'm, I'm the wellness person. And so when people see me, they're like, oh, you must be a runner. And I'm like, well, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. And right. And so can I do I look at myself like I'm a failure and that I'm not good enough and I'm broken? Or do I let go of that standard and put it aside and say, yeah, I can't do that. But what can I do? And let me just focus on what I can do, even if it's not up to the standards that are written. So that for me was the biggest aha. Yeah. So many good things that you've said there. I'm going to really try to be concise and pull these out. <laughs> One of the greatest things that I love that you said is, you know, I'm, I'm good enough just because I'm alive. And what a powerful statement I feel like that really is and um, really kind of offered me a moment of reflection. And then also I kind of want to go back and reflect on, you know, when you were starting to talk about your study of spirituality and how you correlated some of the negative behavior that you were experiencing at the time with with sinning, I kind of wanted to to ask, so how do you define spirituality? And more importantly, how do you differentiate that from religion? Mm -hmm. I think the easiest way when we're thinking about, every time we say religion, a lot of people use the word, well, it's dogma, right? And so it's, um, it's a specific organized way of, um, with a set of system of beliefs. So there's beliefs, there's values attached to it, there's rules, there's, um, you know, like things that you must do if you're part of this religion, even not only beliefs wise, but how we practice, right? So if you practice this religion, you say, go to church every Sunday, you have to go to the church, you have to be in there, you have to kneel, you have to put your hands a certain way, you have to say these specific prayers or sing these specific songs, whatever that is, there's, there's a process, there's a procedure, there's a set of beliefs, and you, you can't vary from them, typically. I mean, that's a hardcore religion sort of thing. But for me, in my own spiritual path or journey or discovery, I had to completely like put religion aside for a second and kind of go back to the core of like, even how did they become developed at all? And I went back to, if we are body, mind, and spirit, what is the human spirit? And then when I feel my spirit or feel spiritual or a sense of spirit or spiritual things in life, 
what is that feeling? And to me, it was energy, life force. Like I feel the sense of aliveness within me. I feel a sense of connectedness to being alive and here with other people, with nature. And when I feel spiritual in life, it's usually not just within myself. If I'm feeling spiritual, it's some sort of connection to something larger than myself. And most profoundly for me is in nature. So when I am in nature, when I'm looking out, especially at like say a sunrise or sunset or beautiful landscape or my favorite, like if you're ever outside at night and there's no clouds and it's a star, star studded sky, that feeling of beauty and awe and magnificence and mystery, right? How are we here? What is this place we're in? You know, all of that yeah. to me is part of spirituality is what some would call the grand mystery, right? The ultimate grand mystery of everything. And so then it does come down to why are, why are we here? Why am I here? And what is this spiritual thing within me? And for me, I had to, I actually joked with myself, like, we don't know if there's an afterlife or whatever, but if there is, I thought, what if I chose to be here? <laughs> what if I said, oh, I want to go in, I want to be human. And who knows, maybe we have that choice. And then I asked myself, why would I have done that? Why would I have come? And it, for me, it was to experience being alive in this body. Not that my body was my worth, but what does it feel like to be alive? What does it feel like sure. to look and to feel and to eat and to hug and to kiss and to whatever, right? So it was the experience. And so that was spiritual and spirituality to me. The religion part I had to go look at, and I did take world religion and look at each of the world religions, even Native American and indigenous and like a lot of the belief systems and the values, especially at a core level are very similar. So it's, what is it to be human? What is it to be good? Right? What are the things that challenge us? And you, the religions may call it evil or sin or that sort of things and, or transgressions or whatever. And it's learning life, those life lessons. So we don't necessarily need a religion to do it, but we do need to have the self-reflection to say, who am I, why am I here, and what's important to me? Yeah, absolutely, and I love those examples that you give of being in nature because that really resonates with me, and I think that's something that I don't make time for often enough um, to just be outside doing nothing, getting away from my phone for a little bit, all the other technologies surrounding me and really feeling connected. I think that's a really good reminder. And I think a lot of the things that, you know, you were saying, it just got me thinking, you know, how can we assess how we're doing in spiritual wellness? I feel like some of the examples you've given about, you know, wellness in general, a lot of them are connected to measurements that come from numbers, like your blood pressure, for example, um, where it's pretty, you know, cut and dry. Your doctor's going to tell you, yeah, this is within range. This is without uh, or not in range. So, so how, is, how can you assess how you're doing in, in your spiritual wellness? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing is to 
define it for yourself in terms what do you think spiritual your spirit or spiritual wellness for you is like how if you're if your body mind and spirit what is your spirit and many people when they're looking or they define wellness so the wellness models that are out there that are holistic they will define spiritual wellness in a secular way they'll say it's our sense of values it's our sense of meaning and purpose in life um, some will extend it and say it's our sense of being connected to the whole or something bigger than ourselves. So whatever that is for you, you could set up a, I mean, you, it's qualitative, it's how are you feeling, but you could set it up quantitatively, say, range from zero to five or zero to 10, how am I doing? Say, do can I identify what my values, and when I say values, what I, what's important to me? Right, so I think the word values sometimes gets muddied with morals, with rules, or what I'm supposed to do, or what I'm supposed to be finding important. And I say throw all the rules out. Like what truly drives you, you know? Or if you didn't have this thing in your life, you would feel dead, or you'd feel like life wasn't meaningful. So start to identify things that you value, that you find important. Across all religions, they usually will say something. You've heard of like love, hope, and faith or something like that. Like those are big words that you can, if that matters, if you say, yes, absolutely, like faith is my most important, then how are you doing right now with that, right? How do you feel? Are you aligned with that in your life? Are you not aligned? Do you feel that you're um, connected to that value or doing things or or is your life, are you able to express that in your life? So some of the things that create, say, the meaning and purpose, if we connect our spirit to our sense of meaning and purpose in our life, is our day-to-day, are we finding and cultivating meaning? Are we feeling and cultivating a sense of purpose? And if not, it's it's not that we're failing. It's usually more just like... Um, some way to like an indicator light to say, you know what? I am not connected to, I don't feel like I'm connected to my values. I don't feel like I'm connected to my sense of meaning or purpose, or I'm not finding that right now. So then that becomes a gauge for you to say, let's find that. And that, so none of this, I guess, similar to the other dimensions, if you measure yourself and you're not doing well, you can stay there, right? You could be like, nope, totally languishing, don't care to move, and that's okay, right? But if it's bothering you to the point of, I really need to find my sense of meaning, then that's your mission, and do that above yeah. all else. I love that, and so all of these wonderful bits of knowledge that you gave if people are, are listening right now and they're looking to improve their spiritual wellness or obviously because this is connected to, you know, the wellness program for, for work, are there things that you can do at work or with your teams or your coworkers or individually if you're just looking to work on it, um, you know, on your own? What are some things that you recommend for people? I think it's all individual. So, um, so for spiritual practices or what connects you to your spirit, you can think of for yourself, when do you feel like you're connected to your spirit or what gives you a sense of being spiritual? For some, it may be, if they are um, with a religion, it may be 
going to church. It may be studying spiritual spiritual texts. You know, it, it may be um, connecting with people that are part of your spiritual belief system, like in that community. It may be prayer. If it's not religion, um, it can be like we were talking about nature. So for me personally, my spiritual practices, my most favorite, if I can't be in nature, I can meditate and do a guided imagery that I am in nature, right? So it's even just putting your mindset into that. But I also love symbols. I love, you know, whatever I create as symbols, like, oh, this is a special rock for me because, say, Morgan and I found this rock on the ocean together and I'm putting it on my desk to remember that moment. Or, you know, this, um, whatever, even at religious people will, will put out a religious object, whether it's a statue or a cross or something, because that connects them to their beliefs and values. Whatever it is, just have those symbols around you to remind yourself of who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to, right, guide yourself towards. And then the last thing that works for me is I love music. And I know that um, when I'm struggling, if I put on music that speaks to my soul, I it helps me. And it doesn't have to even have words. It can be a certain type of just melody or tone. Um, there's a certain hertz. There's usually, if you do a Google, like on YouTube or a Google search for 432 hertz music, you'll find like a whole ton of meditation music comes up. And there's something about 432 hertz that helps your brain kind of reset from stress to peace and calm. So if I'm really struggling, that's my go-to. Now for other people, they love different things. They, one of my friends is, um, it's all her body. Like she self cares for herself. Like she loves herself and she eats nourishing food and she loves moving and she dances and she does like interpretive dance. Like it's not dance that you learn in dance class. It's like, she just goes to town moving her body and has fun. And to her, that's her spiritual practice. And so I'm like, you know, whatever works for you, right? Like if it so taps bad. in your soul, exactly, makes you feel alive, makes you feel connected, makes you feel peaceful, that's your go-to. That's perfect. I think you've given people just such a good place to start with spiritual wellness. I know it's kind of a, a newer topic or a topic where there's maybe not a lot of information out there. And so, um, again, for people listening in, if they're curious about learning more about spiritual wellness um, or different types of, of spiritual practices or getting started, is there any resources that you recommend for people who are interested in learning? Um, yeah, I think um, I... I've written two articles about spiritual workplaces. So if they were interested, I, I can send those to you, Morgan. You can, I don't know if you can post them or they can contact me and I can send them to them. Um, but other than that, other than my own stuff, uh, any spiritual practices that they already love or are interested in. So if it's um, a community or Meditation, say that's something that they want to go into to find a meditation teacher to just start doing that. Yoga classes are helpful depending on the yoga. Some are more athletic, but if you can find one that's connected spiritually and talking about the spiritual 
concepts of, of yoga practice, very helpful. Um, there are many, many books. So if, if any of the listeners are readers, um, go to the bookstore and it's, I find that bookstores either will put it all into like the self-help section or they'll separate self-help and then spiritual studies or new age stuff separately. And then even separately, they may have religious stuff. So you kind of have to play and like walk around bookstores to see what resonates for you. But start reading whatever starts to like stand out for you. There's so many books out there. Start with one. What I what I started to do is I think you've probably heard of the author like Wayne Dyer, you know, or Deepak Chopra or something yeah. like that. I started with say one book, and then in that book they usually reference other books and or have it in the back. And so I would read one book, and then something would be referenced, and I'd get that book, and then something would be referenced, and I get that book. So that's your path. Just go to what you're p- feeling pulled towards. And if a book doesn't resonate with you, just put it down and get something else. You know, it might not be time or it might not be the author for you. But one book I wanted to recommend was one of my mentors is Brian Luke Seward. He's a stress management expert, but he blends stress management and spirituality training together. And one of his first books was one of the ones that kind of made me just come alive. So it's called uh, Stand Like Mountain, Flow Like Water. Uh, so I'll say that again, stand like mountain, flow like water. And his name is Brian Luke Seward. I loved that book and I've recommended it to others. And when I have people have said, oh my gosh, that was the best book ever. So check it out. Maybe you'll like it too. Deb, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today and for all of your knowledge on spirituality. Um, it was a newer topic for me, so I can just say personally, I learned so much and I hope everybody else listening can say the same. So I just want to thank you for all the work that you do, um, you know, in your field and all of the people that you help and um, for your time today. Well, thank you, Morgan. It's been a pleasure and I am uh, looking forward to hearing back from listeners to see if this resonated with people. So thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. For those of you listening as part of the Well Wisconsin program, the code for this episode is SPIRIT. For a transcript, to take our survey, or to find previous episodes, go to webmdhealthservices.com slash wellwisconsinradio. You can also subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice so you never miss an episode. Until next time, take care.